Rejoice, rejoice. I'm so excited that now I get to wait. Did you ever say that? Have you ever said that? I'm so excited that I get to wait and I get to have my patience tested and I can just wait and endure. Do you get excited about that? I don't. You guys are crazy. For those of you who are going like this, you, you do not get excited about waiting. Don't tell me you do, right? I mean, there's an excitement in the waiting, but you don't get excited about waiting and waiting. You don't, right? So I, I just, I'm excited, but at the same time, it's like it reminds me of Christmas when I was a kid and you're waiting for it to come, right? You're waiting and you're impatient and there's something there. Listen, as we've heard over the past several weeks, Jesus is coming. Amen. He's coming, right? And so we serve him faithfully, right? And with our heads lifted high, right, Kathy? Right, Kathy Bedard? Amen. Praise God. Right? Heads high. We're serving the Lord. We're waiting for him, right? And as we serve, and while we're serving, we're looking for his coming, amen? God is fashioning us, right, on the potter's wheel. He's got us. And what a finished product we will be, but... But we have to wait. We have to wait. The evidence of that was beautifully and perfectly summarized when we heard, and I was encouraged and reminded, and even though I know, and maybe you might know, but when Pastor Dan was preaching about Israel and God's end time and how it's all fitting into the end time prophecy, and Israel will never be annihilated, 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 They are God's people, God's nation, right? He has a plan. He has a plan. They will never be destroyed. And it's amazing historically what God has done. And it reminds us that they too are being worked on and in the end it will be glorious. But we, they, have to wait. Yay! We have to keep waiting, right? It's so exciting to wait. And all the while, right, as we're awaiting, when we see the world's events and we see our own lives, the potter's wheel, it turns. And things are happening in our lives. And we often find, as we heard last week, that we have weary and really weighted hearts. Burdens that we carry, right? Heavy from our efforts that we put into trying to be right. And we know we can't do that, so we've got to come to Jesus. Heavy from the burdens of life, things that come, the worries, the concerns. And so we've got to get into the yoke and, and let Him share those burdens and guide us. Amen? But Jesus invites us, and as we saw, to come to Him to take His yoke upon us, right? To join Him there and to learn from Him so that we can find true rest for our souls, right? And we'll have that rest, and we have that rest. We're going to go His direction, and we're going to go at His pace. But we have to wait. It's not fast enough for me. Come on, I'm in the yoke. Step it up, Jesus, we say. And still, even when we have yielded to Christ's control, we find in our weary and weighted hearts even though they have been lightened and strengthened because we've come to Him, we find that we have waiting and wanting hearts. We're waiting. 
We're there, but we're still waiting because we know we're going. We know the end result. We know the end result. But we're awaiting. We're en route and we're awaiting. And so we wonder and we want to know and arrive at the destination that God has ordained for us. Like right now. It can't come soon enough. And oftentimes we've been expressed that. And even John the Apostle said, Come quickly, Lord. Like right now, Maranatha, come now, Lord Jesus. Let it happen already. He was anticipating that. And yet he knew he had to wait. And waiting is hard. Do you find waiting to be easy? No. If we're honest. Waiting is hard. I'll say it again. Waiting is hard. It's hard. It is. Wait, wait, wait. And wait, and wait, and wait. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 9. When God, through the prophet, declares that the people who have lived in darkness... They're waiting for that light, for deliverance, for peace, and for prosperity. They will see it because it will come. And Isaiah and God's people have to wait. Yeah, you got the word. You can say it every so often because it's going to be coming a lot. Wait. They have to wait. But they had to wait, and we wait again. Even we wait. Even now, we wait again for Christ's return, right? We're waiting for that. The light has come, and even though we have the light with us, there's even a greater light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. At the end of this life, we're looking at it. We see it's there. We see our destination. Heaven's light, His glory, God's presence forever and ever is waiting for us. Waiting is hard. As I mentioned, waiting is hard during Christmas time. Hunter has no problem waiting for all his gifts we need to get at Christmas, right? You, you, you can wait until February, right? He just, he's like laughing, yeah, right. No, we want it, we, we know it's coming and we want that, but we're waiting and it's hard. I'm reminded of, I thought it was the greatest thing when I was thinking about this whole waiting concept. There was these viral videos that came out years ago and you may have seen them or not. And you have parents or people that they would put on a table and they put their phone and they would put like, a couple of jelly beans or a few jelly beans on a table and they would tell the little toddler to sit at the table and wait and just, you have to wait. Just look at all the jelly beans. Don't take any until I come back. Have you seen some of these? They're the cutest thing, right? Because most of them cannot wait. Now, there's a few. There's a few that do. But mommy slips away or daddy slips away in the video. They're making all funny expressions. They're waiting. They're looking at it. They even touch it. Then like, oh, nope, I can't have it. And then finally... They move it around, they're planning, and then they take one they cannot resist and they just eat up a jelly bean or all of them. And that's kind of like what we're like sometimes. Right? It's not the same analogy, but there's a parallel there. We cannot wait. We're told to wait, but we just can't because we see we want something so badly. We want to help the process along. We want to beat it to the punch, if you will. And, and we just can't wait. We wait in lines. Although... We don't have much of that now. I can't believe how few people go into stores now because now we just wait for Amazon or UPS to deliver stuff. That's all. We wait at our house. We wait at our house. We're waiting. And we're waiting on our phone for the next notification. Oh, look at it. It's 10 stops away. Oh, look at that. It's on Taylor Court right now. Oh, it must have gone by Jay and Felicia's house. It must be coming to my house next. Right? We're, we're waiting. We're watching. We're looking at everything. We just 
can't help ourselves. We want it now. We, we're waiting, but we want it. We're waiting, but we want it. And our hearts get that way with Jesus and His plan for our lives and for His return, right? We're waiting, right, for, for, the, for the Word on whatever type of application you just filled out. Or, can I be more honest? You may have filled out months ago. And you're waiting. You're waiting to get word on that application for some kind of financial aid, you know, for college. Or financial aid in your life and to, to meet and make ends meet. Or whatever it is, you're waiting and you haven't gotten word on what, if that application's approved or denied. And you're waiting. And you're going crazy inside. You're waiting for your medical report. You're waiting. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. And you know you're going to get it in two days, but it feels like it's two years. You're waiting. You're waiting for your paycheck. It comes in three days, but it should be yesterday because it's not you that's just waiting for that paycheck because your fridge is waiting to be filled up because it's empty. You're waiting. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. Life is full of waiting. You're waiting for a spouse, maybe. You're waiting for a friend. You're waiting for you fill in the blank. Or you're waiting for an answer to prayer. Wait. 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 Waiting is so easy. It's hard. The Bible is full of waiting people. In fact, if we're honest, if we look at the totality of Scripture from the beginning until the end, The Bible is nothing but waiting. Waiting for God to to fulfill His Word. And He did, but it required waiting. And then there's still waiting that's going on now. But it's all about people who waited and waited and trusted and endured and and, and held on to the Word of God and clung fast to it. They were waiting and waiting and waiting. Abraham? He had to wait. And sometimes, like Abraham, we get impatient, and it's hard, and it's not exciting. But even though God is merciful and gracious, and we know that, and He was to Abraham and Sarah, thank God, we try to help God along. Because we think we have the timing, and God says, wait, I said it, I'm going to do it. You'll have a kid. And they did. It was all about waiting. What about Joseph? Waiting, right, in Egypt. Waiting in prison. Waiting. He's waiting, waiting, waiting through all he went through. And God had a purpose and a plan. He's waiting through all of that. He waited in that well that his brothers threw him in. And it seemed like forever being down there. And God had a purpose. And it's revealed in Genesis chapter 50 that everything that was meant for evil, God's purpose was that it would be good. But he had to wait and go through it. And it was all for God's glory. Waiting, waiting, waiting. The prophets waiting, waiting for the, for the nation of Israel to turn back to God. The prophets of Israel waiting for the Messiah, the promised one, as Isaiah, as I just referenced, was, was, was speaking about, that God spoke through, uh, through him about. And they're waiting and waiting and waiting. The nation of Israel is waiting. People are waiting for forgiveness. They're waiting for land. They're waiting for promises to be fulfilled by God. They're waiting for children. They're waiting for all kinds of things throughout all of Scripture. Waiting, waiting, waiting. You know, patience and waiting helps us to tolerate or to get through that gap that we have between what we have right now in Jesus, right? And what we know, what we want, what we long for. And that is that day when we will be with Him face to face. And patience helps us get through there. It fills that gap in. 
doesn't it? Waiting, waiting, and waiting. In the upper room, the apostles and those who were with them in the, in the early church, when the, ch- the church was founded, they're waiting in the upper room in Jerusalem. They're waiting and waiting and waiting for God to send His Holy Spirit. They waited. Was it worth the wait? Absolutely, it was worth the wait. Right? Jesus waited, if you backtrack, in His ministry. He lived to be 33, 33 and a half years on this earth before He gave His life on the cross and He ascended to heaven. But for 30 years... He waited to break out in his ministry. Oh, he displayed evidence when he was 12 years old and he's teaching those who are learned in the synagogues, but he didn't start his ministry until 30 years old. He waited. He waited. And then God used him because he waited and he knew God's plan and he submitted to God's plan. And so it's all about waiting. In Luke chapter 2, as we're in this Christmas season, you will find there a remarkable story. I will just reference it before I move on to our, to our key text this morning. There is a man named Simeon, and there's a prophetess named Anna. And they're in the temple, they're in Jerusalem there. And they're awaiting for the consolation of Israel. All his life, Simeon is waiting. You can read about him in chapter 2 of Luke's Gospel. And Anna as well. And there comes that day and time. They're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. And their wait is all worth it because they were able to one day, as Luke records, see and behold and actually hold the Son of God, Jesus, in their hands. The wait was worth it. Wasn't it? James chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, James chapter 5. We'll glean just a couple of three points here this morning for our reminder and for an encouragement this morning. James chapter 5, verses 7 to 8. As I'm flipping through, the apostle James says this in verse 7. And he speaks these words, or he writes these words after he writes about those who are rich in this world and especially those who are rich and they're misusing their riches and their influence and they're taking advantage and they're actually wicked. And he gives a warning to them. All right. Then he moves on to this. And there is some connection because there may have been Christians who were mistreated by wealthy people in that culture and in that society. Just like, well, anyway, it happens. And it happens the other way around too. Right? But there's a warning. But in verse 7, James says this, Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Until when? Coming of the Lord. There it is again. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until it gets the early and late rains. Verse 8, you too be patient. But I don't want to wait. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. For what is at hand? coming of the Lord. There it is again. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we count those blessed who endured and have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. And so you can keep your Bibles open there and we'll just walk through there briefly this morning. Patience helps us 
get through life. It's part of God's plan. James writes about the need for believers to be patient, and he tells us three important things about waiting that we need to take to heart this morning. First of all, in verse 7, he tells us how to be patient, or how long do we be patient for, it may be more specifically. And the answer is simple. Until the Lord returns. So how long should you keep waiting? You just keep on waiting. You keep on waiting. The Lord hasn't returned yet. And He makes it very clear, and He's so simple in His point, that we need to be patient until the coming of the Lord. In your Bible, you will see that word, until. There's no breaks in between. There's not, he doesn't say you can take February and be impatient all month, then repent of it, and then you can be patient again with people and with God and yourself. Right? No. You are patient every day until the Lord returns. So you're enduring, you're waiting all the while. Don't get frustrated and impatient. Don't try to make things happen on your own. But you, he tells us how to be patient, and that is until the Lord's return. Now, one of the hallmarks, one of the highlights of my life, right? Besides meeting Jesus and marrying my wife was, was when my, my boys were born, but when my wife was pregnant, right? And I remember this. And some of you remember this too. You can remember, no matter what your age is, if you're, if you're a grandfather, a grandmother, great-grandmother, great-grandmother, you can remember these feelings and these things associated with pregnancy, right? And I remember that, that, that news and just knowing that, that Sharon was carrying a child, and now you're so excited, but now you know you have to wait. You have to wait. And while you're waiting during that pregnancy, there are all kinds of things that are going on. Just like waiting until the Lord's return all around us. There's opposition, there's doubts, there's fears, there's wondering, am I really ready? Am I mature enough? Do I have enough money? Do I this? Is the house all set? Is you, all, you get... But the thing about it is that while you're waiting when you're pregnant is that you're making preparations. Well, at least you're supposed to be, right? You start preparing, not just mentally and spiritually and emotionally, but also your house. You get things in order. You start planning. You start knowing that that day is coming. Now listen, as you move along in your pregnancy, unless you have a scheduled C-section, you don't know the exact day when you're child is coming oh there's an approximate date it's kind of an analogy to when we know when jesus is coming we see the signs all around us right and and the baby's dropped and there's all kinds of other markers indicators physically that are there that show it's soon it's coming real soon right but it's not yet and that's how it is in our world and with the christ return we have to be patient and wait and not speed up that process and it's hard to wait because well sharon and mother's more so than for guys, what you're feeling and experiencing in that moment physically is hard. And you're waiting. And you want it to be over. You want it to be like done yesterday. But you got to wait. The, worth, the wait is worth it. It is so worth that wait and enduring and persevering until the child is born. Right? You don't know that date exactly. Preston decided to wait an extra week. And Cohen said, not me, I'm coming out a week early. And he was born within less than an hour when we got to the hospital. He's like diving out, man. He was ready to go. 
right? But you don't know, and you have to be prepared, right? And so, thank God that we can learn from that too. And changes start to happen, right? In our house, in our lives, physically, relationally, things start changing. And that's true with our journey following Jesus. And we do it with patience until the Lord returns. That's number one. Number two. Second, James instructs us when to be patient. He tells us when to be patient. Well, no kidding, but it's at all times. Yes, I know, but he's specific here in this context and in this text, and he's saying that we should be patient when we are facing times of suffering. When things are hard, you still have to be patient and endure knowing that God has a plan. When things aren't easy, keep waiting, keep enduring, Keep trusting. And he says in verse 7, the second part, he says, Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient, strengthening your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then you go to verse 10. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we count those blessed who endured, You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. We have those before us when things are difficult, when life isn't easy. Stay there. And he says, establish your hearts, right? He says here, that strengthen your hearts or establish them. Make them sure and solid and make sure they're fixed and set on Jesus. You know what that means? That means that we fight our doubts from the circumstances in our lives. We fight the environment, if you will, the people around us, the naysayers, those who put us down, those who don't help us, those who injure us, those who mock us, whatever it is, because we're waiting for the Lord's return. And we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. When things are hard, when we're suffering, we keep on waiting. And he points out the farmer. Think about the farmer. The conditions and the weather are outside of his control. Right? He can go and pick all the weeds. He can water things when he can. He plants them at the right time. But he cannot speed up the growth of that, really. Not, not back in that day. Today, we have all kinds of crazy stuff they do. And some of it's pretty sad. It's, it's kind of scary, actually. Right? But they had to wait. They had to trust. They trusted God that he would take care and he'd send the proper rains, the temperatures, the soil conditions, that everything be right on the money. And, and we, we try to speed up things. And if you take matters into your own hands as a farmer, it could be catastrophic and you can lose everything, right? And again, crops, when you think about the farmer, are literally the life of the farmer and his family. They're so valuable, and the energy that he puts into plowing and weeding and chasing birds away. And he waits patiently for autumn in Palestine, back in, 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 in ancient Israel there. Or the early rains, which is October to November. And, and, then, and then he sows. Right? He waits for that to come. But I want to do it now. No, you've got to wait for the rain to come. It's the proper timing, right? It's like if you plant grass seed too early in the spring, then you have a couple more frosts, you might be in trouble. The soil temperature isn't up yet. It might look good outside at 65 degrees, but that soil temperature is only in the 40s. Those roots ain't taken. It's science, right? It's true. But you've got to be patient. And, you wanna, and the farmer, if he gets ahead of it, it could be catastrophic, right? 
all this time while he's waiting. And he's waiting for the crop to ripen after the rains come and he plants. His food supplies get lower and lower. And it was not uncommon for food to be rationed and the children in the home to be crying from hunger during the month or two before harvest. Or maybe the farmer gave up meals so his kids could eat because it was getting, the fridge was getting empty. And he's waiting. And the, la- the later the rains came, the worse it was. You knew I'd have to wait that much longer. But with his life in his hands, he had to wait for conditions outside of his control. You do not control when Jesus will come, and you do not control who Jesus is making you. Jesus makes you, and Jesus determines when he comes. And so what do we do? We wait. Thank you. That's the word this morning. We wait. We wait. And the farmer had to wait, or it would be catastrophic if he took matters into his own hand. I'm repeating myself, but it's worth repeating. And what about the prophets? The prophets, they were ignored, isolated. Some of them were injured and and imprisoned and all kinds of crazy things happened to them. And Hebrews chapter 11 even says about the prophets because they waited on God and faithfully delivered His Word that they were stoned. Some of them were sawn in two. That's a nice picture. They were killed by the sword. They were tormented. They were destitute. They had no clothes, pretty much naked. They had no place to stay. They went through all this patiently enduring, knowing that what they proclaimed and waited for would come to pass. They waited. And we learned from them. And in the meantime, while we learn from the farmer and from the prophets, and by the way, Job is mentioned as well, I don't think much needs to be said about Job is that We know that he went through a lot of suffering. And he's an example for us of waiting and enduring until God comes through. Amen? In the meantime, in verse 9, James says something. While we're waiting, what does he say? He says, don't complain, brothers, against one another. Or grumble among yourselves, right? That you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. He's coming. He's saying... He's he's returned his hand. And while you're waiting, it's so easy. Think about it. When you get impatient and while you're waiting and things aren't perfect and things get messy and they don't go according to your plan, it's easy to get critical. It's easy. No one is agreeing with me. No one's agreeing with me. You don't want to, right? When, When things aren't going well and your patience runs thin, it's easy to find fault in something or someone besides yourself. Yes! Admit it! And do it heartily. And do it humbly because it's good medicine. Right? We get critical and then we find shortcomings and negatives and in our own eyes and opinion we we look at everything and everyone around us and we're like, we're not the problem, you're the problem! James says, Knock it off. Knock it off. The Lord is coming. Wait with the proper attitude towards God and and your, your circumstances and His plan, but also your brothers and your sisters. Don't do that. Wait together, humbly and expectantly. And listen, do it. It's when we're waiting for God to do something, or when we're waiting, or even we're waiting for somebody to come through with on their word, don't grumble. 
Be patient. Did you know that when you're waiting for something and you grumble and complain and find faults, that it only makes waiting harder? (laughs) It makes waiting harder, not easier. Stop being someone who makes it harder for everybody else. We should all be saying, that's me, right? Because we all do it. Our focus becomes things we cannot change, like the farmer or even the prophets, with what the insults they were getting and with the environment the farmer had to deal with and the weather and everything else. We focus on those things that we cannot change rather than God's unchanging character and promise and that He is working on us. Don't grumble and complain while you're waiting. Be positive. Be full of faith. Anticipate, expect, remind each other. Paul says in Thessalonians to remind each other of these things. That there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. That Jesus is coming. There's going to be a rapture. Be ready for that. Remind and encourage each other that. Thirdly, James tells us this about waiting. He tells us why we need to be patient. You know why in verse 11 we should be patient? Because when we wait and are patient, we're blessed. It's kind of weird. I, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it. Because I don't know. How act, I'm taking a chance here, I, I have to admit. Because I, my mind, and, I, and really, I feel like, and it seems to me, when you read the entirety of this scripture, and all of scripture, and even based on this, and some of the Psalms, that we can determine whether we're blessed or not on how we wait and are patient. The Psalms are filled with the instructions, the expectation that we would wait on God. Because when we don't wait on God, things don't go very well. We're not patient With God's timing and plan, things don't go well. But when we do, we're always happy or blessed, it says in the Psalms. Right? So we ought to wait because we can determine... I'm not a name it, claim it guy. That's not the way it is. But we determine by our attitude while we're waiting whether we're blessed or not. And if you do verse 9, you won't be blessed. But if you do everything else, you will be. He says that you will get what God promised and what God promised in the end, at the end, end, end. When everything ends in in history and time, we will get God. Hallelujah. We already have Him and yet we're going to get Him. We want all these grandiose things and we want gold streets and palaces and bliss and pleasure and all that. That all comes when we have God. We want miracles. We want healing. We want all these things. But when we have God, we have everything that we need and then some. So, as Christians, we have hope in God's promise as we come to a close. And we patiently wait for His plan to be revealed in power. Some of that revelation happens in our life now, powerfully, when God says something and we cling to His promises and amazing things transpire in our lives. Like when we see unsaved loved ones come to know who Jesus is, and then together we can lock arms and bind hearts because of Christ, and we can worship. It's amazing. It's, it's powerful. It's a great witness. And we can, we can evidence that God's plan always and His Word always comes through in true fruition. It will be powerful. 
Waiting on and for God is like the experience that some of you and, and many, many others have had that are sitting here this morning. It's this. You're watching your favorite sports team, Cleveland Browns. I don't care what you think. I'll, I've suffered. I'm waiting, right? Uh, thank you, Ron. Thank you, Brother Ron. Thank you, Brother Ron. Yeah, I've learned from you with your, 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 your early years with the Patriots. Amen. Praise God. It is coming one day. Anyway, you're watching your favorite sports team event, right? Some of you, in fact, not only watching it on television, but you've been at a game. And it's the middle of the fourth quarter of a football game, say. Let's just say that. And your team is losing. And all of a sudden, people get up and they start leaving. Why? Why? Because, because they want to beat the traffic. They don't want to be bottlenecked in the, in the, in the concourse, in the, in the arena or the stadium. They want to get the heck out of there, right? They want to go. And, and, and then there's the faithful fans. I'm going to call them the faithful fans, right? They stay. They're there with the team. They're supporting. And they witness an incredible comeback, and they see it in the flesh. The others who have left, they finally get into their car. It's parked across the street a half hour later, walking through people. They turn the radio on, and they realized they missed it. They missed it. Why? Because they didn't... Ah. You're getting it. They didn't wait. There are maybe one, two, or a few of you here this morning that you professed faith in Christ in your life at some time, maybe at an early age in your childhood, maybe later on in life, and now things have gotten difficult. You say you believe God's Word, and you do believe, and you know that Jesus died, and you belong to Him. But you've even gotten in the yoke with Him. And you're learning from him, but, but things are tough and it's not going the way you want it to. And you're getting impatient. And some of you have jumped out of the yoke and you're, you're impatient and you're starting to do things your own way. Because it just isn't working out for you as fast as you wanted it to. And this morning, God wants you to know that you shouldn't be like that person that left that game too early. Does that make sense? I hope it just pounds you in your heart. Like, really. Like, just resonates so deep. Don't stop waiting. Don't lose hope. You know why? We know how the story ends. Why would you leave before the grand finale is there? Why? Because we get tired of waiting. Wait. Wait. It's going to be good. It's going to be the best. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be rewarding. And you don't want to miss what happens at the end of the story. Some of you have never gotten into the game, if you will. It's not a game, but as, as a parallel. You haven't... You haven't Receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and believed on Him. And you haven't gotten into that yoke. And you haven't said, yes, I'm going to learn from you. So I have rest for my soul. 
and you're, you're waiting, and you're waiting and waiting for something, and it's not coming, and all along, Jesus is knocking at the door. People are telling you about Him, that He is the God of hope, that He's the God of peace, He's the God of forgiveness and salvation. There is no other way except Him. He died on the cross for you, and you're, you're waiting for something, but you're just waiting. Can I tell you, in this case, don't wait. Don't wait. That's not the time to wait. To get on board with Jesus. Get on board. Trust your, and trust your life to Him. And it's amazing. And once you do, wait with Him and wait on Him because the end is worth it. Amen? Take it to heart. As we go through this Christmas season, in anticipation of the, the presence and the arrival of Christ as a child. And it's so important, really, because if Christ hadn't come and taken on flesh, He couldn't have lived, as we pray oftentimes at night, that perfect life and then die on the cross in our place if He had not come and lived in a body like mine. But He waited. He went to the cross. And now He waits for you to come to Him. God is patient. And Paul and Peter said He's not willing that anyone should perish, but he wants everyone to come to know who he is. He's patient. He waits for you. So wait with him. Amen? Amen? Father God, thank you this morning for your great patience with us. Help us, Lord, to take James' words to our heart. Help us to apply these truths, Lord God. And Lord, to Lord, understand that the wait is worth it. Let that, Lord Jesus, as we hang on to Your words and Your promises, keep our eyes looking forward and realize that even when it gets difficult, we can endure because we have hope in You that You will always come through and do what You said. And You will again. You are coming back. Help us, Lord, to be ready as we wait. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.